Welcome back to episode 14 of the Dads Unplugged podcast. I am co-host Nelson Osorio here with my buddy Sean Pace and co-host. Sean, what's up, buddy? Hey, Nelson. Good to see you again and hear you. And let's, uh, let's have some fun. I'm real excited. I was really pumped when um, this guest agreed to come on. Uh, he is a four-chair turn on NBC's The Voice, top 25 on NBC and Telemundo's La Voz, and a multi-award-winning editorial music photographer, as well as host of Mojo for Musicians and an incredible father. Welcome today, Manny Cabo. Thank you so much. Dude, thanks for having me, brother. Sean and Nelson in the house. <laughs> Manny, um, he set the bar kind of high with your intro. <laughs> which I, I definitely I want to go straight into the voice because it's a household show here. My son's 10 years old right, and, and right. We, we get on it. We watch we watch the YouTube clips. Talk to us about that um, from from a dad's perspective. How yeah. is it with like your kids when you're on TV and obviously you're a recognizable person? How has that like impacted them uh, just over time, just over time with yeah. music and, and with the voice and stuff like that? Well, you know, it's old hat for my wife. She's been in the uh, the circuit in this crazy uh, life of mine since I, well, I shouldn't say since I first met her, probably five years into it. So she's been accustomed to the ups and downs in this capricious industry that you don't know where it's going to take you. But with respect to the voice, it was, uh, it was nerve wracking. Like it's terrifying for them. My wife and daughter are not TV people. Like if I can't have enough cameras and enough people to talk to and shake hands, but they are the complete dichotomy uh, of what I stand for with that. So for them, it was pretty nerve wracking. But ultimately, I think after they saw the success and the acclaim of what I got, it, it kind of uh, it kind of became surreal for them. My daughter would go to school and everyone's like, oh, my God, your dad and this and that. So she was like, I don't know what to do. Like, what, how do I respond to all this attention? You know, Um same thing with my wife and, and her um, co-workers, like my congratulations. So the the acclaim was real. You know, how they reacted to it was awkward um, because it's not their world. So I get it. But they fully supported it. They were so happy for me. And it opened up a, a significant amount of doors, which obviously it helps me sustain my family. So there's a, there's a plus mm. there. Yeah. Um, opened up the doors for endorsements till this day opportunities on the music circuit, whether performing consignment gigs, uh, contractual gigs, you know, traveling. So it was great on that, but it was a lot of work. You know, it was an incremental, uh, what's the word I want to use? It was as a venture, you know, it was, it was a total mm -hmm. venture because I was there for three weeks at a time. Then I'd come back, go back for another three weeks. Then it would wait another four months until everything processed. Then I'd have to go back. So it was, oh, wow. Yeah, it was very inconsistent, mm. but it all tied up really nicely. You know, it worked out. Obviously, these production companies know what the hell they're doing. They've been doing it. What they're on si season what two thousand and one? I don't even know. I can't. Even, <laughs> after, yeah. like, after the eighteenth season, uh, I didn't even watch my season. I, to be honest with you, it was a huge story behind that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because no one ever really, you know. The people on shows like that, you don't really hear the whole backstory of how many weeks you're away from your family right. and, and the amount of time and effort that goes into, you know, being a performer sure. overall. So yeah. so how long have you, I mean, before The Voice and all that, how long have you been doing music and were you a dad before the music or when did that come into play? Oh, man, it's, I guess music was first introduced to me uh, by my parents, of course. My dad was a big music guy, loved um hit me up with a steady dose of the Beatles, Los Conde. Like, I I'm Hispanic, so I had an eclectic group of uh, artists that I'd see waking up every day to the old, big, gigantic, cumbersome, you know, uh, record players. You know, big Grundig wood, homemade. And he would crank it to all hell. And I'm so grateful for that because thinking back, you know, high insight, it'd be it, it lends itself to me being such a good vocal producer because I hear so many different influences from Motown to country. And we're talking Johnny Cash to Seven Dust. So I have a broad spectrum of music because of my parents growing up. And he introduced me to the drums when I was about five. And that was crazy because that was just another transition into that world of rock star wanting to be the next big thing. And I was only what? I was a punk kid, 11 years old. Um, but in all honesty, I didn't start singing until I was like in my mid thirties. Uh, baseball was my life. That's all oh, I ever wow. wanted to be. You know, I got drafted to play pro ball. So I threw 92 miles an hour in high school. That was it. That was all I wanted to do. 
Um, but music was always very deeply rooted, you know, mm. and, and uh, I entertained it late in my life. And obviously I did something right uh, because of inevitably baseball didn't work out. I tore my rota cuff. I got took a couple of um, offers from full scholarships from universities and I picked one mm. and I went to Florida. I mean, dude, you play all year round. That's like a no brainer. You got to go yep. where you play. And yeah, I played one season. I was I was um, doing very well. I was like seven and two record, and then I tore my rota cuff. Wow! And luckily, you know, I was a decent student, and I came back, delved into music, and the rest, as they say, was history. You know, these competitions came up. I was coerced into being there, and I'll tell you the story if you want to get into that because that's a funny story in itself. But yeah, uh, uh, music was always a part of my life. Always and it always will be. I can't do anything without music. Like now, I'm surprised I don't have anything underscoring in the background. But I, that would be cool because you wouldn't be able to hear me because I'd be too busy cranking the TVC, you know. So that'd be pointless. <laughs> <right now. laughs> I love it. I love it. I yeah. I would like for you, since uh, the door's been open, to to talk a little bit about that. How how you got coerced to to do all of that, and was it your family that encouraged you, and um, how you first got started trying, you know, doing these different competitions? Yeah. Well. I um I first auditioned for American Idol. Did well, but you know when it came time to to go into the next round, I I didn't want to do it. There's a lot of I always listen to my gut and I always recommend people listen to your gut. So something didn't feel right at the time and I didn't go back and everyone's like you're insane. Same thing happened with the X Factor. It was right here. The audition was at the uh, Prudential Arena. Mm -hmm. And I also did well. Did the first two, went back to the third and then I saw without getting too much into detail, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? You know, there was just something that didn't vibe with me and mm -hmm. stories and people that were getting sent home, but yet people that were getting allowed in, I'm like, I'm out of here. You know, so I just left. My wife was in the car. What happened? Did you do that good or that bad? I go, neither. I just don't like the vibe. <laughs> and so the voice came around about a year and a half later. And a good friend of mine, Michael, one of the most talented musicians I've ever met in my life. We've written tons of stuff. He said, man, you should go on The Voice. I'm like, absolutely not. He's like, absolutely, you should go. So they actually, I forget who it was that did my application for me, right? And so I'm like, okay, hey, congratulations. We love your background, da, da, da. So I ended up going. And the night I was supposed to go to the audition, it was like bitter cold. I'm talking it's like minus one like it was bitter cold in, in new york city uh it was in i think it was in january and i had no desire i was already late you know i was a photographer at the time working full time and my buddy's like all right let's go you're gonna be late and i was already late my audition for was like 8 30. i got there at like 10 o'clock barely and then we get out we're walking to the place and mike's like dude look up look up that's if that's not a sign i don't know what is and the sign said manny's like right there like right pointing at the door where I had to go in. I'm like, come on, bro, really? <laughs> now I have to go in or else I'm going to look like an ass. <laughs> so uh, I went in and uh, it's funny, but when the, produ the, the production team asked me, so Manny, what is it that you're so uh, linked to with these shows? What do you like about it? I go, I actually hate these shows. I don't really even want to be here. My buddy's outside. He's going to kick my ass if I don't agree to this. And they started laughing there. Well, why? I said, because there's a lot of fabrication. There's a lot of backstories that need to be created. And uh, I'm not really into that. I'm, I'm, I stay true to who I am. I follow my truth and I stick to that. And they just appreciated the transparency and the honesty. And uh, yeah, what was it? About a month later, I get a letter. All right, congratulations. You're going to Los Angeles. And uh, <laughs> the rest of the day was history, man. But I had a blast. I really did because on The Voice wasn't about singing. That's where I found my purpose to use my voice as a platform to inspire. When I tell you I had 40, 30 kids in my hotel room and I was trying to teach them how to meditate and live in the moment and forget about the competition because all this nonsense is going to pass you by. Mm -hmm. If you're worried about the 90 seconds, you're going to be in front of 14 million people. What's the point? Why mm -hmm. do you enjoy? If you do the due diligence prior to the performance, then you shouldn't have anything to worry about. Quite honestly, I was on there. And it was terrifying for me, not from a performance standpoint, but when you walk onto the stage, this is a story I tell everybody. You want to talk about being scared? It had nothing to do about uh, uh, being in front of the cameras. I was afraid about tripping because it was so quiet. <laughs> when you walked on that floor, it's like you're, it's my feet, right? But then you look up to the left, and there's like three tiers of all the camera crew, all the the, the top tier, the the uh, the directors, the producers, and on their laptops like this, looking at you. 
You're like, oh. <laughs> and, and then you look into the audience. It's pitch black, but you know it's packed because you can see, you know, the silhouettes of the heads in the audience. And I'm like, Christ, if I fall right now, I'm never going to live this. <laughs> that was I was worried about. But everything else was just uh, was just a fun ride, fun experience, an amazing journey. And I took away so much um, experience that till this day I implemented in every segment of my life, every segment of my business from photography to music to doing my podcast, man. So it's always a good conversation piece, you know. Well, Manny, I'll tell you this. Had you fallen, you would have went viral. So that would, of course. Of course. Although <laughs> now that I think about it, damn, I should have tripped. <laughs> you you would have been famous whether you could sing or not. They would have exactly. been like, this guy's moving on to the next round. Exactly. Uh, Manny, you, you got into music a little bit later yeah. <clears throat> in terms of the singing and the performing. Right. Do you think that was a bit of an advantage since you had more experience? Or was it just kind of luck of the draw? You pick up a mic and and you did you not realize you had a good voice until until your 30s or how did that work out it's a great question because i don't think that way man i never did like i never linked things to uh how can i say this without without sounding too woo-woo-y you know i leave it up to to the universe to the higher power wherever i'm supposed to go i just go with it you know i you got to stop focusing on the end result of things and the fact that I was a late bloomer in music, it probably helped me because I wasn't that stressed out. You know, I didn't have the, the prior 10 years of the grind life and my voice was still, you know, intact since I didn't abuse it. Because usually when you when you delve into a career, especially as a singer where you're implementing your voice, you start habituating bad things, right? With your voice, you do things wrong. You scream unnecessarily, you tire your voice. So my voice was very pristine other than, all right, let's talk it up, talk it up. All right, come on, come on. No matter, no matter with baseball. That's about it. That's the most I did with my voice. So I, it was certainly advantageous with respect to that because I didn't develop any bad habits, which lends itself to my techniques now because I started right from the get-go and I was fortunate enough to meet and learn from some top tier Grammy award winning producers and, and, and vocal coaches and people that would help me with my speech. You know, I always had a powerful voice, but obviously, you know, you have to cultivate it mm -hmm. and make sure you know what you're doing. So it can do inevitably what you wanted to do, hitting high notes, going low, staying in key pitch. So it was certainly advantageous from that standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it, I mean, from my own experience from being a music, uh, uh, Fine. We'll just go ahead. I was an opera singer mm. uh, throughout junior high and high school, and went to college. Why do you got to one up me? Why do you got to one up me, bro? So uh, you stuck. You stuck with me. it. You stuck with it. I didn't. Uh, I lost my passion and and left. And I came across a a trial sheet from a judge from back at my senior year of high school, right, right. and um, they said great, great potential needs more support. And I looked at it differently then than I look at it now. And I was like, oh, they yeah, don't mean yeah. support like encouragement. They mean like I need to work on my diaphragm. And I was like, oh, so I wish I had started yeah. later. I maybe would have stuck yeah. with it um, and doing that. And how how do you best? Because I like I'm going to read a quote that you have that. Yeah. Um, and then I have a question to follow. It says, I live sure. to inspire through all my creative skills and journeys while raising the vibration of this world, one musician at a time, because who doesn't mm. love a great success story? Mm. How do you use that, which is an amazing thing to say, to help inspire other people as you're on your journey later in life and you continue to be successful? Well, the whole part is I share my, uh, my tries and tribulations and my hardships and how I overcame. See, the problem is, most people have this, this weird little thing that we have inside. It's called fear, okay? And we all know the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. And what people don't realize is that everything, when I tell you, Nelson and Sean, everything that everyone in this life wants, if you want it bad enough, is on the other side of fear. So once you face that fear, here's, I say this with a huge caveat, it's a difficult thing to do. Okay, because if your goals don't scare you, then obviously your goals aren't big enough. But every time you face those fears like I have, I've realized I've benefited from in leaps and bounds. And what happens is you disarm the intensity and the power of that fear. Okay, let that resonate for a second. The more you face your fears, okay, 
the less power it has over you. And it usually takes about 10 to 15 seconds to say, all right, I got this. I got this. I got this. I'm so, what am I scared about in here? What's the worst thing that could happen? A, they say, no, your voice sucks. I'm using the voice because obviously for, for obvious reasons of the topic, you got to go back and, and rework it. Okay. We, we don't think you're good enough. Okay. Whatever the case may be, I don't care what the rebuttal is. If you want it bad enough, right. And you face those fears. I mean, really, really want it, then you will find a way where there's a will. There's a way. I always remember that quote from, I think it was a phonics tape from grammar school where there's a will. There's a way, and you will find a way. The universe loves a stubborn artist. If you keep going at it, you fall, you fail. And here's another beautiful uh, conduit and segue. There are no failures. People put so much emphasis on that word failure. It's just, I don't know, it's a societal conviction that we all adhere to. But a failure is part of the process. Dude, you have to fail. Like you have to screw stuff up to understand the, the delineation between what's needed and what's not needed. If you're not screwing up, you don't know what you're doing wrong. Can you imagine telling Thomas Edison, well, Thomas, man, I know you, you invented the light bulb, but you failed a thousand times before you created. And he'll tell you, no, bro. I just figured out a thousand ways of how to not build a light bulb. You see my point? <laughs> yeah. It's your yeah. outlook on things. Yeah, I could have easily said, well, you know what? I got voted off the show. Um, you know, I battled. And after that, you know, it was it was really heartfelt and I was really sad. No. I, when I was on The Voice and I tell you God's honest truth, I left and I got voted off. And technically, I wasn't voted off. It's when they hit the button, the teams were full. But they wanted me to come back, which is the best thing that could happen to me. A lot of my, uh, my teammates were crying. Production crew was crying when I left. Parents were crying, hugging me. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on here? Why are you guys crying? They're like, well, you know, you're our inspiration. Now, now what's going to happen to us? I'm like, that's the whole point. That's why I took the time out to instill that knowledge with you guys. Because mm -hmm. Manny Cabo has another journey. This chapter has closed. I'm off to write another chapter somewhere else where I'm needed. And guess what, guys? Only one person wins at this show. You're all going to go home. It's how you deal with that quote unquote deficit that society wants you to believe in that. Right. So I just basically utilize my journeys and implement a different vernacular when I talk to people. Stop using words like I want to. Stop using words like I can't or I can't afford this or I can't do that because what happens is if you focus on the void, if you focus on the fear, you get more of that. Mm -hmm. If you start focusing on the things that you desire, you don't, don't, don't say I want to do this. Don't say I need to do this because now you're coming from a place of lack. Like Sean and Nelson have this incredible podcast, but I really want it to go to number one. So don't say that. Just say, you know what? We have an amazing podcast. I desire it to affect as many people as possible around the world. And I can't wait till that happens. You anticipate something positive. And I think everyone needs to implement that train of thought in everything that they try to execute in life. It's a really simple philosophy. And you would think it's common sense, but common right. sense isn't common practice. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, I don't mm -hmm. really I need to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so to make a long story short, it's my philosophies that I've gained and learned and failed from where I've gained this indispensable knowledge and I want to filter it out to my people. I want to filter it out to you and you. And right now I'm living in the moment. This is important. Nothing else matters. Not my breakfast, not my next interview, not how much battery juice is in this camera, which by the way, I have no idea. So right now, this conversation is what it's all about. I'm in the moment here. This is the most important thing. And people need to slow down, slow down, take time to smell the roses and live life. My dad's passing taught me one thing, man. And this is one thing that will never fade. Breathing and appreciating everything that's around you is the biggest gift that we have. And most people, I would dare say most people, don't do that. And they overlook it. And then they get to that 70, 80 year winter seasons of their life. And they look back and like, what the hell did I do with my life? I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Damn. I should have done this. I, so many times they told me to do it. And I didn't even listen to it. I don't want to have that life. That would have, should have, could have, isn't for me. And I'm trying to wake people up into living their life because it is short. You don't know when it's the last moment on here. So I hope that answers your question because, you know, I could talk about that all day. It's very passionate and very dear to me. Again, I speak from my heart when I tell you those things. Yeah. Well, you know, your, your perception is, is powerful. And, and the fact that you're actually pouring into some of these younger musicians, giving mm -hmm. them an advantage, honestly, because, you know, I, I think back to coming out of high school, going into college and, 
And sometimes you don't have somebody with a little bit more wisdom giving you these right. these little nuggets of of exactly. Exactly. yeah yeah. Just and and we I, make I was retarded. Teacher literally thought I was retarded, mentally retarded. This kid needs help. So being uh, verbally bullied all my life, it's it's part of the trajectory that I've been. So that's another element of my life. You know, people try to change me. He's always wearing, he's painting his nails. He's, he's got piercings in grammar school. You know, that's who I was. And I, thankfully, my parents always supported me being who I am. And I, I never cared about people's opinions. It was frustrating is what it was. So that developed the chip off my shoulder. You know, mm -hmm. that developed the ego. Dude, I had more ego than the stadiums that I've sold out. It was disgusting. But I'm not making any excuses there was an impetus and a reason, legitimate reason behind it. Not that I wanted to, because I was a uh, I was a byproduct of society. What I was uh, um, part of, what I was being infected by, you know. Right. So there was a deliberate reason. And then later on in life, I became smart enough to know, whoa, what the hell's going on? Why are you so tightly wound up? Let that go. If anyone's putting their insecurities out there on me, that's on them. Because anytime mm -hmm. you're getting bullied, you have to analyze one thing. The furthest thing from the truth is the target, which is you. Mm, right. What are they going through? Mm. Are they your parents beating the crap out of this kid? Are they verbally abusing? Is he getting uh, uh, beat up in school? You know, there's always a hidden element that we don't know about. So we need to be a little bit more compassionate before we pass the blame. And that opened my, my eyes to another realm of discovery, which I added to my little, you know, belt of bullets of knowledge that I could use to inspire people in addition to. So that's, that was a big deal as well. And I know I derailed it, but I, I had to tie those in because it made all the sense in the oh, world. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And your daughter, how old is she? She's 15 going on 33, I think. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Mine turns 17 next month and, and yeah, that's enough said. I won't. She's upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Well, Manny, <laughs> can you tell my dad right now? This is the dad part coming out. It's like, oh god. It, yeah. It, well, the question is is going to be more geared towards. I mean, all these things that just your life from childhood all the way to all the experiences you have now. You know, right. your daughter's fifteen. Are there conversations where you're having with her that you're kind of realizing you went through some of these experiences, and you're pouring into her to help her avoid some challenges or guide her in the right direction? You know, great question. And thankfully, no, because I was smart enough to instill those values when she was really, really young. Mm -hmm. I said, sweetie, y y I think parents need to do a better job. I blame everything on parents. And I know I get a lot of slack for that. And I don't care because kids, <laughs> kids, <laughs> hey, by the way, Sean, I hope he doesn't see me, but he pointed at you. But anyway, um, <laughs> so kids learn this stuff. It's, it's instilled at some part of their trajectory and they need a mediator at some point to be like, whoa, slam on the brakes. So I, I used to tell my daughter, you're not going to please everyone. There are going to be a lot of people that talk nasty about you. And here's the thing. They don't even know you, but guess what? That's okay. Mm -hmm. Because it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with them. So I kept repeating that. I kept repeating that until now it's ingrained. Like it's part of her DNA. So I hear her constantly talking, right? And she'll be, she'll be in a room. She'll have a heated conversation. I don't care. And she'll say like, who cares what he thinks? What's the matter with you? Like mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with you. You're amazing. You know, you're, you're my friend. Those people are stupid and they have nothing else to do with their time. And then I walk back quietly. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Proud dad moment. And that's my proud victory. <laughs> so she learned. Of course, we uh, we had our confrontations, and you know, I can remember just one really ugly conversation that I had with her to the point where I'm kind of disappointed in myself. I never beat my kids at all, and uh, you know, I got the, I always used to get the crap beat out of me from discipline reasons, and I turned out okay. I mean, I guess. Um, but I love my parents. They were very very strict. That was the mentality, you know, back in the Generation X days. But. Mm -hmm. I never believed in spanking my daughter. I always took away the things that were really dear to her. And mm. you did it in a way where you didn't get angry. You just did it nonchalantly. And then they get confused and angry. So it's a double whammy. And it's so much more powerful. Because if you yell, and I, I, and I know this from my experience, it doesn't really do anything. Because then my daughter developed a fear from me. So now mm. she sometimes she fails and, and hesitates to open up. And that's my mm. fault. 
but again, that's the ego. And at the time, unfortunately, um, all my worlds were colliding. It was terrifying. You know, the beginning of COVID was, you know, uh, the uncertainty. I, both of my major tours being canceled, like losing over like $85,000 in just music hit hard. So wow. there was a culmination of emotions that just erupted at mm -hmm. someone who I shouldn't have projected mm -hmm. my my anger on and i i own that that's the thing is apparent you have to own that when you when you screw up up you gotta own it so yeah it's a difficult time especially now they're in that 15 16 17 18 they're starting to identify with who they really are you know the hormones are starting to kick in so i just you know i, I let go of the wheel let her develop into who she wants to be i could guide her which is the one thing that we're supposed to mm -hmm. do parent. let her do what she wants but always have that well, well, where are you going? You know, that mm -hmm. little, we call that the, the horse strap, you know, where you, you're like, yep. yep. And then yep. Whoa, whoa, whoa. roll the reins back a little bit. There you go. Yeah, that's the expression. Damn it. And let me, hold on. Let me write that down. Pull, <laughs> no. pull, pull the reins back. Perfect. And uh, so just be mindful of that. You know, just be the proper guidance because it, it's our parents' responsibility. We, the parents' responsibility to, to guide them in the right light and instill these values of confidence. And don't just, don't just be a follower. The problem with society nowadays, and I see it every day in the entertainment industry, everyone follows the first person with a flashlight. I'm like, bro, mm. did you do diligence? Did you do your research? Why don't you find out the truth for yourself? I tell my daughter, Google is your friend. Mm -hmm. Google is your friend. You want to learn answers? Find out the answers yourself. Don't rely on hearsay. Don't rely on what your friends are telling you. So yeah, man, there's some elements we could, and you guys know, we could talk about this all day. I'm just trying to limit it down to the few that I can remember right now, but a couple more shots of whiskey. I will unleash. What's going uh, on? Uh, there's, there's a happy hour. Dad's round table. Be, and then right be, there. Exactly. And then there'll be tears instead of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done this so much better. It's, it's really good to know that I'm not the only dad that has had these. Nah. Moments. And it's, nah, uh, man. And you know yeah. it, it always gets better. Just uh, patience is not my thing, but I've learned patience. And my dad taught me that you got to slow down or else you're going to crash. And that will always stick with me. You know, mm -hmm. take a step back whenever you're, you're getting, uh, that tornadoed into those emotions just take a step back and chill man because it'll gather your thoughts and you think more clearly you can't make decisions when you're angry though don't do it it's the stupidest thing that we can do i'm just gonna call it as i see it <clears throat> yeah no sean take notes bro don't make decisions <laughs> when you're angry sean uh, how many times sometimes when you hear from someone else it makes more sense because i've you know, said it time and time hey, again hey you know patience is the biggest thing i work on all the time and yeah. i mean it might sound pretty funny but i did buy a a bonsai tree strictly to help me with that every morning because yeah. there is absolutely nothing i can do to make that tree grow faster yeah there's well, no you know what here you go and there is this is great because this is my my topic of expertise you know and i can tell in listening to you when you talk about that your voice lowers these are the things mm -hmm. i'm very perceptive with how people speak and you know, it's almost like you're you're constantly aware of your surroundings a confident person speaks without hesitation because he feels it in his that's why i said get out of your head and into your heart and if there are tons of confrontations because of who you are then you need to analyze the relationships that you're in i tell people you want to succeed in life the one the, I, I could actually say in all honesty the number one thing and people think i'm going to say what learn more spend more money on mentors i'm like hell no get rid I'm going to say this really slow. Get rid of the toxicity in your life. Do you? Okay, so you don't have to impress anybody. If anybody has a problem with you deciding to take care of yourself, that's on them. That's yep. not your problem. And I'm talking about, ready? This is a tough pill to swallow. Get rid of best friends. Get rid of wives. Get rid of husbands. Get rid of jobs. Get rid of family members. I say this with a huge caveat. You're going to get a lot of backlash. But who cares? This is your life. And you're useless to anybody else if you're miserable with yourself. Yeah. Let that sink in, bro. Seriously, mm -hmm. you can't worry about other people. You got to take care of yourself and follow your truth. If they're not in alignment with your truth, see ya. You know, for example, uh, and I'll give you a harsh example. We're all married, right? I think we're all married, right? Not married. Divorced. I'm divorced. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're divorced for a reason. Somewhere along the line, it didn't work out. Whether... You lost love or she lost love for you or your worlds were colliding. It's a blessing because if it didn't work out, 
things could always be worse and you learn from those mistakes mm -hmm. and don't force something that's not there. You accept it, learn from it. If, if it was because of you, if it was your fault, then okay, I own it and move on. Because if you try to reopen those doors, you're only working backwards, fall and fail forward, not backwards. Learn from the mistakes that, that have occurred in the, in the past, but fail forward. And this, this goes back to the conversation that we had about failures. Don't think that you're, you're a failed dad or a failed marriage. No, it has nothing to do with that. It was a growing moment for both of you. And you realize you were incongruent to your values. And now you need to spend time in finding out what benefits you. Stop, stop starting over with your relationships. I tell dads all the time, stop trying to start over and mold yourself to the partner. Hell no. Find somebody that's in alignment with you. That's it. it. That's the key to happiness. Mm. You know, of course, you're going to have some differences. You're supposed to. You can't be a perfect, perfect relationship. It doesn't exist. But find somebody who closely matches your desires, your preferences. And they're out there. It's just we think that, oh, well, I really like her. What should I do differently? That's your problem. Just be yourself, bro. Everyone needs to be yourself. That's it. That's the key to happiness. It doesn't it get tiring telling so many lies that eventually you forget the lie that you told and now your integrity has gone to hell? The same mm. difference. It's too tiring. Just be yourself. Anyway, I, again, I could talk about yeah. that. Brother, I, look, Manny, honestly, as you were talking, it's this conversation I have with my my 10-year-old son is just you have to show up as who you are yeah. despite what someone else is going to think. And yeah. unfortunately, you're, you're going to show up to jobs, careers, school, sports, athletics, and everyone's going to have their own perception of what they think mm -hmm. you should do. Mm -hmm. You're the one that has to live that life, though. Yeah. So so you're absolutely right. You have to again, my son's 10. I, I don't have more than one kid. But um, at that age, I'm already trying to make sure he doesn't compromise who he is to please yeah. someone else. Um, and, and there has to be a middle ground somewhere. Obviously, in a relationship, it's 50-50. You, you do obviously want to do what you can to make someone else happy or, or to give them comfort. But but you're absolutely right. You you have sure. to, you know, the fail forward part, it's I own a business and it's the same concept is you have to you have to try. And and when growth is involved in, in some of these things, growing as a kid, growing in, in your career as a musician, right. growing in my business, there are times where I'm not going to succeed in that growth, but it's a learning process. Absolutely. So at that, at that moment of failure, I always tell people, I'm like, you know what, this is the point in time where you kind of got to reflect what did you learn yeah. and go try again with that new tool that you just learned. That's pretty much what you're going to go ahead and do. So, yes, you know, exactly. I'm a huge, yeah, I'm a huge fan of, especially again, I can only speak for my son, but I push him to try things he's not comfortable with yeah. constantly push him to try new things. Oh. Cause it's, we all have different strengths and weaknesses. So it's it's unfair for me as a dad to impose my fears or my restrictions on him, not knowing what he's capable of and not letting him figure out what he's capable of. So as you were talking, I was just like, man, I'm doing something right yeah. by Manny standards. High five, Manny. Bam. Yeah, man, because you know what? Complacency makes you lazy, right? Mm. It makes you accept it way too much of what's going on. And it will preclude you from moving forward because then what happens is because you're complacent, you become fearful. Anything that's been introduced to you that's different from your comfort zone, you're like, oh, dude, I've been doing this this way. I don't know if I can handle that. Now you yeah. start doubting yourself. See, it starts creating this little rabbit hole that's leading to, no, I can't do that. So if right. you say that's why leaders, the best leaders in the world always own their mistakes. Mm -hmm. And for example, if you guys were part of my team, my music team, I will not do something. I will not engage in anything. If Sean and Nelson do not grow right or climb the ladder of hierarchy with me, I do something to elevate people around me like Larry Bird, like Michael Jordan, like the greats. Remember how great they were individually, but damn, when they were on the court, the whole team just took it up mm -hmm. a notch, like 80%. Oh, yeah. that's a leader. You know, nowadays, yeah. I don't even see that. No offense to LeBron, to, to, to uh, oh my God, to rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. They were superstars, but they didn't have that X factor of taking your team. The one thing is putting the team on your back. The next thing is trying to do everything yourself. There's a difference there. Mm -hmm. When Bird or Michael Jordan weren't feeling well, a no-look pass would heighten up the crowd and give strength and more confidence to team members. And you got to do that as, as an owner, as a CEO, as an entrepreneur, whatever the case may be, own it. You made a mistake, guys, I screwed up. Sean Nelson, what have you got? Cause my idea does not work. 
inclusion is a big deal, man. Same thing you mm -hmm. got to do as a dad, include your kids. Mm -hmm. Babe, I made a mistake today. Whatever you do, sweetie, take two minutes. Don't do what daddy did because you're going to screw it up. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you. And you know what? You own it. It becomes a, an element of integrity. 100%. Don't, don't make excuses, man. We make excuses all the time. It drives me bananas. And sometimes people are like, why were you so hard on that guy? True. I, I lose it when, when I hear lies and laziness and, and coming up with excuses, especially yeah. if I know I've done the same thing and I've overcome it. And granted, not everybody's going to be on Manny's level of intensity, but here's the thing. Don't make excuses. Like don't, don't tell me it's raining while you're pissing down my back is what I'm mm -hmm. saying. You know? So I yeah. hope that hope that clarifies what i'm trying to say no i think i think you're right and um something i do with my kids and i try to teach them especially since since the divorce and as i'm growing and i'm learning mm. it's owning and i've gone to both of them over different situations where i've messed up and i said hey you know what i made a mistake i'm sorry yeah. that's that's yeah. on dad Maybe and there's no you can't say i'm sorry or it's my mistake but you, mm -hmm. you lose all that before there you go so I've tried to instill that with with both of my kids. You can't you can't you can't put butt at the end because whatever you yeah. just said is gone. It's gone. And, Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. If I were to say, you know, Sean, dude, bro, I uh, I screwed up, man. I, I value our friendship so much, and I can't believe I allowed myself to do that, man. I completely understand. If you're angry, you deserve to be because I would be, man. So you know what? I'll give you your space. It's cool. I'm not going to take offense to it because I deserve that. What did I just do? I disarmed all of your anger. Yeah. I disarmed your anger. And now you're what? You're more inclined to be like, well, maybe I was a little too hard, you know? Um, yeah, bro, absolutely. You know, you become a little bit more, uh, uh, what's the word uh, I'm looking for? More relaxed, mm -hmm. more in tuned with a, a better conversation later on when you, when your uh, your emotions are not that heated. So you open up the lines of communication by disarming the anger and the tension. Don't give them any room to, to combat you, to, mm -hmm. to want to really fight with you on that. That's the best tool for relationships. Even mm -hmm. wives, I don't care if you're gay, straight, cross gender, it's all relative. If you're angry with one another, first of all, don't have the discussion right then and there. And if you're going to have it, babe, you know what? You're right. I was wrong. I, can't, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. It was my mistake. And if, if it's not my mistake, admit that maybe I could have handled it much better. And I admit it. I think we probably could have handled it much better, but more on me. Take the blame, man. Own it because that just solidifies the relationships, you know? Yeah. I, I, don't know. I, think you, I, I have a question for you both. And yeah. my, my kid's mom is, um, is Hispanic. And so I have a question yeah. about Hispanic families. What, okay. what did you experience that you either continued as being a father or you didn't do since you became a father hmm. uh, you mean experience growing up <clears throat> yeah yep yeah. yeah that that that's what i i would like to learn um <clears throat> from you both because every generation is different every mm. we you know i've got my own white world opinion about what what i did and don't do but i would like to hear from from you both I just I want to understand the question so I could answer it more uh, sure. efficiently. Just yeah, reword that for a little bit because I lost the uh, the beginning of that. So as um as a Hispanic family, right? And I know family's a big importance um yeah. within the Hispanic community. Yeah. What have you managed what did what did you learn growing up as a kid that you have instilled as a father into your own child and what have you maybe twisted or turned a little bit differently? to help this new generation of expanded kids that are, that are growing up. Right. I got you. Go ahead. You know, host first, go for it, Nelson. You went that first. I'll give mine. No, of course. Of course. You know, I, so Dominican background born here in the United States, my parents from Dominican Republic. Um, they, they were here maybe a couple of years before I was born and, and my brother was, was born here as well. Um, you know, the one thing that I did realize is being raised by immigrant parents, there was, there was this hard working grit that they had, like they came here for an opportunity and you saw that in the household. So both my parents worked two jobs, sometimes three jobs growing up. Um, there was, they were extremely frugal with money, very conservative. Um, like Manny mentioned before, my parents are actually really strict as well. And, and a lot of the strictness I think just came from their, their unawareness of how you should raise a kid in the United States. So for them, it was just safer to be overly strict 
And for them that, cause I've had these conversations with my parents. I was an adult. They felt like that was the opportunity to keep me out of trouble as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that I'm an adult and I look back and I'm like, you know what? My parents had money when we were growing up, they were just very conservative, mm-hmm. but that also meant we didn't go on vacation. We didn't, you know, we didn't go out to eat. We didn't enjoy life really. It was kind of just like this fearful upbringing, at least my perception of it. Where now with my son, I'm a little bit more comfortable saying, hey, let's let's buy a nice thing for him. Let's enjoy the money we're kicking our butts for every day that we're working for. You know, my parents, unfortunately, 36 years later, I'm 36 now. They didn't enjoy the money. They, they're fully retired. They they bought some real estate. They invested well. But they didn't travel. They didn't Again, they didn't go out to eat. They didn't really buy anything nice for themselves. So, you know, what I've learned is, is to have some sort of a balance, and which is why I'm very comfortable helping my son take risks because that's one of the things that for them the biggest risk coming to this country that was the risk everything else when they got here they were a lot more sheltered with with taking some risk so one of the things i realized for myself is i I have to get away from that level of fear like manny said of the unknown being born and raised here i speak two languages clearly english and spanish um the so you know but but it's 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 one of those questions where unless unless you're in that situation mm-hmm. um you know you you don't understand what happens in a hispanic household or just an immigrant uh, uh kids being raised by immigrant parents because it is a it's not an open conversation and manny i don't know if it was different for you but like my parents never talked about you weren't involved in adult conversations as kids. It's very disrespectful for a kid to walk into an adult conversation. 100%. Um, so even now for my son, like when me and my wife are talking, we're like, hey, get out of the room. You're, you're a child. We're an adult. Yep. That's something that we've kept. But as a dad, there was a lot of things that I kind of didn't know because I was never involved in adult conversations. And and it was a kind of like blindsided by parenthood. And again, you know, raising a kid and, and being a dad that's not overly mad. I was going to say machismo or overly just, you know, the toxic masculinity that unfortunately just the Latino community sometimes does have. Um, so, yeah, again, I, Manny, I don't know if you resonate with any of that, but that's kind of what it was for me that being raised by immigrant parents. Like I said, there was there was a lot of unknowns and, and a lot of risk averse decisions that that I kind of counteract, especially as a business owner. Like I, I am taking risks daily, so I have to kind of be the opposite of my upbringing, unfortunately. Listen, man, I, uh, I echo everything that you said. I echoed, you know, especially same thing. My parents came in here, no money in their pocket. My dad borrowed $20 to get to this country when he got here. Obviously he had money for a plane ticket. This was back in what, 69, same year I was born. Yes, I'm a generation X. So the values that they instilled in me were um, derivative of their conservative lifestyles, growing up poor, appreciating every little item that they bought. My parents weren't big risk takers, my mom more so than my dad. And again, that precluded them from indulging in the, the luxuries of life. You know, my parents never bought a house because they knew that taking care of their children, because I also have a younger sister, that was the priority. Of course, we would take vacations here and there, but it wasn't it wasn't elaborate. It wasn't extravagant. We we wouldn't stay in like Fiji for like two weeks in one of the top notch five star hotels. Uh, first of all, we couldn't afford it at the time. Second of all, I thought that was a waste of money because we needed to save for school. We needed to save for clothing. So their priorities and expenditures were focused on that conservative mentality that was instilled by their parents. So it was it was a hereditary. And a generational thing, you know, whereas me, man, I will bet it all on black. If I know that there's a possibility that I'm going to come out great on the other side, you got to be fearful. And my mom taught me, Hey, how to be passionate. Okay. My dad taught me how to be neat and organized. And if you're going to do something, do it right the first time. So there was a culmination of amazing habits that they both instilled in me that, you know, comprised makeup Manny Cabo. But yes, there is a certain element, like for example, like you said, God forbid if I was even eavesdropping when mom and dad were talking. You know, which means get out of the room before you hit my hand. You know, it's not okay. Notice how I said before I hit his hand. Okay. I heard that growing up a lot. (laughs) Right, right. Get it. It's none of your business. This doesn't pertain to you. And it's almost like 
the parental instincts were uttered even in that statement because I don't want you to worry. This is big people's problems. Mm -hmm. You don't, I want you to be a kid right now. So they did it with the, with the kindest intentions. So don't, don't think that it was just because of exclusivity. We're egotistical. No, you're not good enough for this conversation. It's not your place right now. Be a kid right now. Go out and play with your, I'm going to say big wheel, but kids nowadays are going to be like, what the hell's a big wheel? (laughs) What is that? You know? Yeah. Or the ColecoVision football games, right? Um, But there were certain things that instilled in me that I appreciate. I really do. And I took, I cherry picked the things that I took from my parents and the ones that I Mm. fear are going to best benefit my child, the millennial, I'm going to um, instill in her, of course. And it's only going to help her. And I took away the things that I know personally for me held me back. I used my common sense. This didn't work for me. And for Osri's, so it's not going to work for her. So I try to at least educate her and influence her to do the things that are going to make her fearless, you know, mm-hmm. and, and educate her on the right way. Forget about school doesn't guarantee you a job, sweetie. Here, and, and I, don't, I don't pay my daughter, uh, give her money to do the chores, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I give her money, it's like, read this book. I want a complete synopsis of what you learned from this book. Then I will pay you Mm. chores. That's your job. You need to do that. You don't get paid for that. That's what you're supposed to do because as you get older and you have kids, you're going to thank me for this one. That's what you're supposed to. You live in this house. You need to contribute all of us equal. Get it. Mm -hmm. I'm not bad at you do that. However, you do a complete or a presentation or film yourself talking about what you learned. How is this book going to affect the world? If you do a project on it, then I'll pay you $50. You need to teach them about value. And that's what my parents told me. So I needed to convolute the message of value into today's Mm. society of kids. See the difference? And I only learned that by A, you know, at the time getting my ass kicked, not being nosy, you know, and experimenting by by being a risk taker. Because sometimes the risk that I took earned me that whooping. And it was well-deserved because I learned so much from it. First of all, not to do it again. But second of all, there's got to be another solution, another way around this beating so I can succeed, you know. So I'm, I'm being funny here, of course. But you guys, I think I made my point with that one. So, yeah, I completely resonate with what you were saying, Nelson. Yeah, there's certain things you have to adjust to the times, man. Right. You know, work back then, especially mentality, you know. Um, and that's why we still have racism. That's why we still have inequality. Because the generations yeah. taught, it, it's still lingering. So hopefully, yeah. that's why I focus so much on kids. Kids are our future rock stars. They need to do it better than we did. I own it. Okay, our generation mm-hmm. screwed mm-hmm. up. The generation before that was even worse, and before that was even worse. Mm-hmm. And I can't even blame them at the time because that was instilled. Right. You mm-hmm. put two kids of a different now four kids, an Asian kid, uh, an African American kid, a white kid, a Hispanic kid. They're not gonna. They're not gonna know what racism is. They're gonna want to play. The worst thing to do is maybe they fall and trip and start crying. What happens? They all come to their aid. That's what you learn when you're a kid. Right. But as you start developing, getting thrown into the society, you start acquiring these insecurities, these false perceptions, these societal convictions, and then now, guess what? You have you have a personality that's fearful and gaining and being educated by hearsay. That's why parents need to do a better job. Of educating mm-hmm. their kids so when they go on to the real world all these criticisms just bounce off them you know like one of those old you know those little tiny little rubber balls that you'd bounce it like bounce like three miles high then it'd come down and ricochet and go like a million miles in a different direction that's what happens mm-hmm. sean thank when, you guys when both. you get when you hear answers like that does it i mean you were married to you know somebody who's obviously hispanic raised in a hispanic household was mm-hmm. there anything in those answers that you're kind of like oh interesting that that's yeah. that might be why some decisions didn't resonate at the time with what you were thinking does it give any clarity or is it just no it, it's it's definitely some light bulb moments that yeah. um for me uh allow me to further process yeah um, decisions made in the past and to to try and understand and having mixed race kids and um to do the best i can to yeah. Um, assist them with molding both worlds and getting the best out of both that they can. Um, And that's, and that's why I, I just asked. So I'm very honored and I, I I appreciate you both and open lines of communication, especially, you know, dealing with two, uh, two totally different cultural backgrounds, be very frustrated, but it can be beautiful too, because your kids will benefit from two different sides of the world. Now, instead of having that one view, they have two Mm -hmm. views in another language, 
more, you know, more expanded plate of food, you know, literally both, you know, because it's empanadas mm -hmm. and American food. So it's it's very advantageous, but it's up to the parents to accept their differences and understand right. their cultural differences, because if there mm -hmm. aren't any communication, dude, you're dead in the water, especially with a Latin woman, man. I don't even like fighting with Latin women. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. You're right. <laughs> well, well, you know, Mandy, you haven't, you haven't. Um, <clears throat> so Sean's gotten a chance to to meet my wife through through some of these recordings we've done. My wife's yeah. Filipino. She's not she's not Hispanic or Latino. She's from the Philippines. So mm. you know, talk about blended family. My son's yeah. half Dominican, half Filipino. There's similarities in the culture, but you're yeah. absolutely right. Like even for him. I personally encourage him a lot to learn about the Filipino culture. We'll watch Netflix movies that are that are Absolutely. from the Philippines and stuff like that. And and same yeah. with Dominican. You know, he listens to bachata and salsa, whatever. My wife dances bachata. She puts Spanish music on in the there house. So it's it's really an effort, I think, on both parts to be intentional. Mm -hmm. With Sean, if if you're being intentional about just encouraging them to learn about their you know the other half of their culture really that's as much as you can do because some kids i grew up with kids that you know their parents are you know immigrant parents just like mine and and they were friends of mine that didn't care for the culture didn't want to mm -hmm. learn spanish they yeah. kind of just did and that, there's no judgment there but every kid's different it's kind of just like here's the opportunity here's the encouragement you know just know that i'm going to support you if you want to look deeper into it of course and and they kind of take what they want from it you know um, yeah. that's, that's really kind of the most you can same thing for my son. Like he's, sometimes he's more interested in learning Filipino stuff. Sometimes he's more interested in Dominican. Sometimes he's kind of just like, I'm an American, leave me alone. I'm like, okay, you are, you were born here. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so, now, Sean, if you don't mind me getting personal with you, cause sure. obviously I, it, you know what it is? Every time I hear scenarios like this, it, it pricks my balloon of, of uh, curiosity. I always like to know. So obviously you're divorced, correct? And yes. I know your, your questions are stemming from a particular section. I, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of this because mm -hmm. I know I'm on here to have fun. We talk about Manny, but I also like to leave value to my audiences, mm -hmm. you know, and experiences that I know I've seen from multiple relationships and parents. So is there a specific reason that you think you're not together because of you, because of something you did or because of something that just didn't align with you on her part? Like what, what was it that caused that separation? Cause we're all dads now, man. And you know, some, mm. are, some are together, married, some are, some are separate. This is just a great heartfelt dialogue I'm having. So, yeah, it's, um, I don't think we have the, the two hours to, to process well, it. You know what? So what it, what it, no, what it was and what I've learned, at mm. least for, for me that led to it, right. Um, is a much a much deeper lack of, um, I believe, and I feel, um, it was lack of, of growth with, with us. And, mm. and it's what, um, another guest has said that I recognize my own faults in, um, in communication. Right. And being able to feel confident enough to communicate better. Okay. That's awesome. First of all, you, you owned it. You know, you you've admitted to the fact that you could have done better. And let's be realistic. In a relationship yeah. where you both fall apart, there's always something you both could have done. But my advice to you right now, Sean, is if you're not together, there's a specific and clear-cut reason. Uh, and, and again, it's got to be fruitful for both. And mm -hmm. don't even regret, you know, don't my advice is move forward, mm -hmm. grow from the experience, still be personable and still learn to be friends with your mm -hmm. ex-spouse or, or friend because at the end of the day who's going to benefit from it children well, the, the kids the kids do and it's yeah. and it's Put something i mind. you know I, was in, I i have therapy every week and i believe in mental yeah. health and i think everyone yeah. the first person Talk that says anyone therapy is the first one that needs yeah. to go um yeah. it's you know and respectful of your time just i was talking i recapped with my therapist yesterday i said i'm in about a different subject i said i'm mm. i couldn't talk about this now two and a half years ago when I first started yeah. seeing mm -hmm. my therapist and she was like, Oh no, you, this subject we talked about today, it would have been a deal killer and you would have been out the door. But now mm -hmm. you've been able to process and grow and are open to learning and growing. And, um, you've changed in your thought process and how you're becoming the person you're still striving, striving to be. And that's what yeah. I try to tell. I try to try to tell everyone, especially my kids. It's, yeah. 
That's you know, good. that's huge though, because now what you've learned, what you've realized, now you can filter that in the world. That's all I do, man. I I, mm. I look at my mistakes and mm. I try to send that message out. What didn't work for me? The fact that you're right. owning, it, the fact that you realize that you're because I can tell you one thing: your ego is what killed everything because mm -hmm. your ego would not allow you to listen. It would not allow you to adjust. It would not allow you to, uh, let's say, compartmentalize your emotions because it was all directed toward anger and no, 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 this doesn't make any sense. Sometimes you got to take a step back and be like, listen, mm -hmm. I need to own this. What could I have done to make it better? Once you start blaming yourself about how things fall apart, then you start analyzing what you could have done. Mm -hmm. you, kudos to you, man, because the more you talk about me, I'm not a therapy-oriented type of guy. I've always been more like, I need to understand what the hell did I do wrong? And the more you talk yeah. about it, whether it's mm -hmm. with a doctor, whether it's your best friend, whether it's journaling, get that out of your mm -hmm. system because that's yeah. going to fester and it kills you. It, it hampers you from moving forward. So good for you, man. That's all I'm going to say on that. Well, Just own I, it, bro. Own it. Own it. It's the biggest thing. And um, as we're kind of we could talk for a while longer and we'll definitely have you back for a round table another time when you're not getting ready to tour and, and all that stuff. Um, I got another 10 minutes, man. As a matter of fact, I just got texted that, you know, uh, they're running a little bit behind, which is always okay. good. I'm, I, I'd like to get, be ready an hour before. So anything else you want to ask me by all means, you know, well, let's, uh, we got two, we got a couple of questions, um, sure. for me that one serious one kind of silly. And then Nelson will come with his bomb question here towards the end. Um, you've touched on this before, so it, you can make it quick if you'd like. Sure, what do sure. you want your legacy to be? I want to leave this planet better than when I got it, period. And however I can describe that, I don't know what that is. I don't know where this world's going to take me, but that's what I, I want people to be like, damn, this is Manny when he was born. This is what he went through that made him who he was. And now the world is such a better place. Message got out everywhere. And even if it's to affect one person, guys, one, if, if you, nobody else, I did my job because now that person will continue my leg. It's like a link of love that I'm trying to leave behind. That's it. Well, what would Manny do? Follow me? That's what I want. Mm -hmm. I want to leave that thought in people's mind. Manny oh. taught me so much, but what would he do right now? Hmm, let me see. That's it. That's a pretty simple answer, man. Awesome. I love that you were specific to the point, intentional um, with that. That's perfect. And now Everyone let's go a little like, bit. John, if I were to shake you at two o'clock in the morning and I shook the crap out of you and said, Sean, what do you want to be? What do you want to do with it? You need to know that answer right now. Like everyone needs to know that answer because the sooner you find that answer, the sooner you can live your truth and the sooner you'll be happier. That's what people need to realize. You should know who you are and what you want to do right now. Not like, I don't know. I just, you know, I haven't really thought about it. There's your problem. That's why you're not developing. That's why you're not growing. And that's, yeah. it's call, I'm calling people out on their all their BS because everyone complains about where they are. I want to make more money. I, I want the fame. I want the accolades. I want the brand new car. Well, guess what? None of that's going to happen because first of all, you're focusing on the accolade itself and not focusing on the journey. It, it's, it's a marathon, bro. It's not a sprint. Everyone wants to get fame, but nobody wants to do the work. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to do the inner work. Nobody wants to do everything that they need to do to acquire the necessary skills and knowledge to move forward. Do the work. It's 10,000 hours to master something. That's not a joke. You know, people always talk about, you know, I keep using athletes because, you know, this is the people that we revere. Nobody talks about Michael Jordan and the hours that he spent. He got cut from his uh, basketball teams. He used to spend two, three hours just shooting free throws. Nobody sees that. Mm -hmm. that's what makes the difference. It's what you do when nobody's watching. And I've learned this as an entertainer. This is going to resonate with you. This is deep. And it was deep for me when I first heard it. It's not what people feel when you're on stage. It's how they feel when you're not around. Did you leave an impact on them that they want more of you? That's what you want. You don't want a sold out garden. You don't want 13 million followers. I'd rather have a thousand followers that can't wait to see me. That can't wait to see my lives. That can't wait to purchase my swag or can't wait to stream my music. Not people that just because I was on The Voice and La Voz and Nashville and all this and then sold out stadium. I don't want you to know because of that. I'm a normal guy, dude. I'm not I'm no better than any of you interviewing me right now, but I do know what I want in life. And everyone needs to know their truth. I hope that answers your question. It's awesome. That's perfect. Um, now, on a silly note, do you have a dad joke or a dad story that you can quickly share with us? <laughs> yeah, man. I love dad jokes. I, I have one that always stuck with me, especially with this generation. 
Um, <laughs> how's it go? Okay. Which bear is the most condescending? Which one? Panda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that is terrible. That's awful. That, that that's official right there though. It's like the oh, that's yeah. Don't do that again. Thank you. It's very oh, modern. You. Very modern. Don't, don't do that again. Love it. Love it. Love it. I had to, bro. That just destroyed the integrity of the and the level of this this interview. <laughs> it's just like that's exactly what we try to do. Get the listeners high and then bring them down right at the there end. There you go. Drag me the mud. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Nelson, the floor is yours. Yeah, typically I, I like to have a would you rather question. Mm. Um, it's really easy. It's just would you rather A or B? You got to pick one. You have to have yeah. reasoning behind it. Yeah, sure. there, there's no both or none. Um, yeah. This one, this one, it's somewhat up your alley, I think. Mm. Let's see if and if you need me to clarify, I think I will. Would you rather be physically the most beautiful person alive or have the best voice? There's a that's an easy one because I'm already the most beautiful person in the world, not in a conceit level. I love who I am, bro. I love who I am. I don't need to prove that to anybody. If I could have the best voice, there is no such thing as the best voice. You know, just be your own voice. But if I can be the best voice that I can be it, it, to proliferate the message that I want and people understand it, then I've become both. So I could have both. Why not have this, both? That's the problem. This guy's cheating. <laughs> I he love is. it. I love it. That's the first one that's ever been able to answer both of them back to Nelson. Manny, you're great. (laughs) I just, but you see what I'm saying? I'm not great. There, therein lies a secret to the successful answer. I'm just speaking my truth. It seems like I'm great, but I know what I want in life. The problem is a lot of people don't know what they want. They Mm -hmm. fail to see that security that we all, most of us fail to have. You're beautiful, bro. Both of you guys are beautiful people. Both of you guys have amazing voices. You're interviewing me and getting this message out. So whatever I say is on uh, is on your level of integrity as well. You're helping me promote my message. So now we're all part of it. So mm. you guys are actually both as well as I am. Mm. You see, that? most people don't see that angle because we're so convoluted and engrossed and, mm. and, and enveloped in all the negativity that we fail to see the beauty and the obvious in front of us. It's crazy, and it it just chips my ass, man. It really does. You you broke the question, so I'm gonna go ahead and give you one that's unbreakable. Let's do it. You made me do it. <laughs> no, me come do it. on. Would you rather have <laughs> nipples the size of fingers or fingers the size of nipples? You made you know, me do this, Manny. Uh, and it doesn't matter because if if they're on me, I'm always gonna make sure that they're beautiful people. I, they will get the outlook. <laughs> you gotta of pick Manny. one, Manny. There's no way you gotta. There, which one? Fingers the size of nipples or nipples coming out there like the size of fingers, Manny? You made me do it. I got to tell you, I, I would probably have to say fingers the size of nipples because I'm a fashion guy and having nipples the size of fingers, I just get in the way. I, I, that wouldn't <laughs> even be comfortable. Uh, so fingers the size of nipples because there have been so many amazing people in this world that don't even have hands that have accomplished their dreams. So that's that's where I'd have to go. The first one I wouldn't do because it's just uncomfortable and wearing shirts would probably get in the way. But yeah, uh, everything everything is attainable in life, and it doesn't matter if you're a quadriplegic. It doesn't matter if you have hands, toes, or nothing. So yeah, definitely the latter. Manny, I cannot wait to get you back on the show again just to stop <laughs> Nelson again on those questions because no one has done it yet. Um, appreciate you. Uh, thank you again so much for your time. We know you're oh, busy. We know you have a. Please, real quick, uh, yeah. we talk about your your new single. I know yeah, that's not why you came on here, but at least mention it. And then Nelson has a couple of questions. No, I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, the brand new single is called Worst Bad Decision. It was a, a song that I co-wrote with a dear friend who I love immensely. Her name is Bonnie Warren. She's a successful award-winning writer out of Philadelphia. We combined our efforts on this song because she knows I'm all about big messages. And uh, she's like, Manny, I have a concept. And I just said yes, because everything that Bonnie says, I at least entertain without you know, negating the possibility that I could go somewhere. And the song is about, um, it's geared from a male perspective, of course. So I have to say it's for all the ladies and the lovers of the world. But here's the thing. It's cross-gender. You could be gay, straight, cross-gender. I, I don't care what you are. Love is a universal language. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea and message behind the song is, that we all deserve the love that we desire. Never settle for less. And I'm kind of like the conscience in the song 
trying to deter you from making that next worst bad decision. You know this person is going to drive you insane. You know it's going to put you on the brink of that precipice of insanity. Don't do it. So that's what Worst Bad Decision is all about. Take a listen to it. Like I said, it's uh, still in the top 20 most requested songs in the world on independent radio. Over 4,000 stations have downloaded it, loving it. Um, it's been out two weeks, already up to 10,000 streams. My last song, the last one's up to 40,000 streams, and there's really no marketing behind it. It's all organic growth, which I'm really proud of. So, yeah, that's how you can help me. And... Um, where people can find me is mannycabo.com. Everything that has to do with Manny, my world, my photography, my podcasting, uh, my music can be on there. So, you know, and again, you guys know algorithms are your best friend. So please follow the podcast. And just like we do, we create relationships, you know, uh, keep rating and reviewing the show. It's already in the top 2% of the best music interview podcasts in the world. Um, and it helps me get the uh, the guests that best align with my message you know so it's a cool thing man we creatives we take pride in our work it's our babies but at the same time it's more important for me to get my messages out there that's the value that i offer awesome wow. dude you have been an exciting fun guest i am reaching out to you when i'm out in elizabeth uh yeah, man, grab a drink or grab grab dinner or something and hang out sure. um, i would love that man i would love that it's great you're, I mean, you're right there. My wife works in Montclair. She's at Northwest, uh, Northeastern Schools, right off of Grove Street. So she's right up there. Uh, I'm, I live two blocks from there, bro. <laughs> That's great. I'm two blocks <laughs> away from the school. That's Montclair. Let's go to Montclair and get that, uh, that eclay over there. It's like $500 for like a slice, but it's so good. I'll take it. <laughs> it's Christ. not that expensive. Maybe 400 bucks. <laughs> uh, I'll take two. You know, so it's good. Yeah. All right. We're definitely gonna link up, man. Yeah, again, appreciate you. Really excited for all the success you're already having and, and just you. the success you're gonna have. Anything that comes up in your life over the next couple months, podcast related or music related or even dad related, and you want to come back, have like a 10, 15 minute cameo on the yeah. show. I mean, we're really more than welcome to to have you back. Absolutely, man. It's a great time. Absolutely. I had so much fun. I appreciate the uh the invite. Very humbling. Oh. Well, Manny, thank you again um, for today. Everyone, please follow Manny. Go to his website, download his new song, which is, I think I'm about 200 of those downloads that have already <laughs> come out so far. So I'll keep, uh, we'll keep sharing it. And thank you for everyone for today. Please subscribe to the podcast so you can hear all the bonus episodes we have coming out um, awesome. around Father's Day. Everyone have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Take care, guys. Thanks for having me.